Welcome, everybody. It's No Driving Gloves. Uh, we've got uh, Sean and uh, Derek this evening with us, and we're going to have a, a repeat guest. Rarely do we have repeat guests on No Driving Gloves, but because of what's going on in the world and a little bit of lack of just general car talk and that, um, Sean actually invited uh, Tony Watley to rejoin us of you know 365 Driven, uh, public speaker, author. Um, I have his book cover behind me and his 365 Driven logo. Uh, site, you know, he released the book Side Hustle Millionaire. Excellent book on trying to uh, inspire you to do a side hustle with a lot of interesting aspects to the book that I, you know I never really thought of until I read the book. And then I, uh, I was listening to uh, a side hustle podcast the other day, and I was going, "Wait a second, this." what's being preached here is a little bit different than what Tony said. And I go, you know, I think Tony's a little bit more right. So welcome, Tony. Uh, glad to have you back. Hey, thanks, John, for the welcome and Sean and Derek. Good to hang out with you guys on this evening and just talk some cars and business. Two things I have a lot of passion for. We're going to dig in and we're going to have a, a lot of fun and, and hell, I might even learn something along the way, which <laughs> I've already learned one thing today. So if I learn something else, that's got to go. So it's got to be good stuff, right? Well, maybe we need to wait till midnight so you can get that new learning in on the next day. Just, that way, you know, we could just talk that long. It, it's the bonus <laughs> learning tonight. That's, that's awesome. I need as much <laughs> of that as I can possibly get. Extra right. credit for Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I yeah, know but, the last time we had Tony on, uh, the host, it was Will Derrick and me. Everybody walked away a little bit inspired, a little bit more motivated to even move the podcast along. And, you know, Derek's kind of looking at a little a side hustle now. And my side hustle at the time has become my full-time employment. Uh, I um, think we talked to Tony late November 2018, and I left my principal job in January of 2019. And kind of just dove head first in, and everybody you know, Sean and my circle of friends just don't thinks he plays all the time and that, but he's been hustling his ass off for the last couple yeah. of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I got I got that today actually. I I, I got up at, at I did wake up at nine forty five today, but I was up until three, <laughs> and then I was and I was working while I was up, and I literally the first thing I did is walk in to get a cup of coffee because. My lovely wife is nice enough to to have coffee there waiting when I when I get up because she gets up before me. So I posted because the coffee machine was was making some weird noises. So I had to post a video of that as you do. And then a really good friend of mine who I've known for like my entire life chimes in and he's like, "Oh, I see you're waking up at the crack of eleven, <laughs> and you're because he's on the east coast and he's he's like, you know, it's work is hard and all this and literally my friends. I think a lot of my friends really do think that I don't work <laughs> and it couldn't be further from the truth. Like I love what I do and I'm very fortunate to get to do the stuff that I do because it all revolves around the vehicular passion that I have. But uh, I think we work more because we love what we do. If, <laughs> if I'm wrong, correct me, but I swear I, 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 I don't stop. I, I don't stop. It's, it's just, and you seem to be the same way, Tony. Uh, I mean, it's you just love what you're doing, so you keep digging. Yeah, I'm usually working 12 to 16 hours a day building the things go. that I'm building. And, and it's, a, it's something I enjoy. It's not, you know, that's what they say about entrepreneurship. We'll work 100 hours a week to avoid working 40 for somebody else. Absolutely. And it's true. It's because we have a lot of passion or purpose behind what we're doing. And honestly, time flies by. Like the days go by pretty quick when you're doing something that you enjoy. You kind of get immersed into it. 
And then you're like, holy shit, it's 3 a.m., like you said. And then I think I should go to sleep. You yeah. probably could have worked all night, but you're like, oh, it's probably, probably a bad idea. Let me just go back to sleep. I, I read a book on uh, – it was a book on Edison, I think it was, was that where Edison literally would like go days without sleeping mm-hmm. and showering and eating. And like literally, but he was so consumed and focused on the stuff that he was doing that um, he just, he was all in. And that's kind of where you have to be. I think if you ever want to truly build your own thing or at least not, and not necessarily, it doesn't even have to be your own thing. If you want to succeed with whatever you're doing, you've got to be all in. You, you just have to. Be, and if you're not, it's, you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that's but the problem is if you don't go all in, then you're going to get passed up by somebody who does go all in doing the same thing. And that's right. what most people take for granted. They just think that they can take days off, slack off, do less work, do less quality. And then they wonder why they're not getting the results of the people that they admire. And it's because those people are running circles around them. And I'm not trying to be an advocate for the hustle and grind 24 seven. Cause I did that early in my life and it's a bunch of BS because it just wears you out and you start to become mentally foggy. You start to lose your health. So get your sleep, but here's the thing that you talked about. Your your hours are different when you're working from home. A lot of us are going through quarantine right now. My wife and I have been working home for five years, so we have an adjustment where you start to look for what I call the, the genius zone of your day. Like what part of the day is your brain literally, literally on fire where it can do analytical or creative work or things that you need that you have to have your full brain capacity. And for me, I'm a morning person. So between 5 a.m. till about noon, that's that's the perfect part of the day I can do creative work or build something or just be anything with numbers and then I start to fade out around around two o'clock and sometimes I go grab a nap because I find that if I go take a 30 minute nap I can actually come back recharged and only sacrifice 30 minutes where I can just really just drag it out for three hours without a nap and I'm just not really being productive and you know how does you read something and you look back and you go I don't even remember what I just read Yep. So you got to think about these kind of things and don't be guilted into things like from your normal job. Like, oh, if you go take a nap in the middle of the day, you're being lazy. Like that's something your old boss would tell you. But you know what? There's companies like Google and all these other companies that figured out if they can give their employees a 30 minute nap, they get a lot more productivity for the next few hours for the rest of the day. So use those to your advantage. So you're 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. Maybe you're very productive at night. Maybe you're a night owl. My wife nine, is that No, way. I'm 9 to 3, man. I'm not yeah. I'm 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. is where my yeah. sweet spot is. Yeah, so you and, guard that time. But, uh, like, that's yeah, important. totally. And yeah. it's really cool because, like, my wife, so, my wife is the early, early bird. Hmm. So she goes to bed around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Hmm. And then I, I bang stuff out, like, all yeah. night long. I, I, I come in and get stuff done. And I did learn something. I found out about this about a week ago. I don't know whether you guys have heard of this or not. I tried it. It freaking works. It's called a coffee nap. Um, literally, uh, drink a cup of coffee and take mm-hmm. a twenty minute, and then take a twenty minute nap. And that's about how long, evidently, it takes the coffee to open up all your receptors and all that stuff that it does in order to give you that awake kick. Mm-hmm. And then when you wake up from that 20, 15, 20 minute nap. Not only are you refreshed from the nap, the coffee is there. At, dude, I woke up the other day. I have not been that wired since I was 12. I was, but I wasn't like jittery wired. I was like, let's get stuff done. Like I was literally sitting down in front of the PC going, I'm going to knock this Shopify crap out of the, out of the park. And then I'm going to work on accounting and I don't care about either of those things. But, but yeah, just, you got to find what keeps you going. 
I have heard of that. Okay, I, I've so, probably done that, you know, not purposely, but I have seen and, and I've seen, I guess, these graphics that you see on the internet talking about taking that coffee before you go to nap. I can, caffeine doesn't bother me anyways. I can probably go take a nap after an hour of drinking your coffee, but I do understand like sometimes you wake up groggy and that's usually because you oversleep on your nap. If you go yeah, over 45 yeah. minutes, yeah, usually you wake up and you just want to go back to sleep. Yeah. yeah there's a certain, certain sleep things I, I heard a story year ago years ago and i've lived by it ever since i make sure when i go to bed at night i'm going to sleep in three hour increments if i'm going to go to bed at two in the morning and get up at five i'm good but if i'm going to go to bed at two in the morning and get up at six i'm going to stay up till three uh things like that it's something that somebody told me that the rangers or the green beret or somebody do and you sleep on the threes because that's a sleep cycle so I've always slept on three hours or six hours. And uh, for the longest time, I've done six hours. I'll admit with this quarantine thing, I've probably scooted it up to nine because I don't like to, I like to get up really early. But uh, my fiance, uh, with some of her medical stuff and that, it's hard for her to get sleep. So if I get up and she's asleep, I either have to tiptoe around the house and go outside with the iPad and do some work and have a cigar at six in the morning or <laughs> just sleep in a little bit late and stay up a little bit later because I can slip into bed and not wake her up. But when I start getting up and the dogs start hopping around and barking and running around, uh, that's it for her. So that's yeah. why I'm sleeping. Okay. So I got to go back. I got, I got to go back and ask Tony and Sean something and, and John, you can pitch in too. Cause Tony, you were mentioning, um, you know, you were, you were looking for your, um, you know, you and your wife talked about the, the genius zone, you know, your time when you're really, really in your prime. I'm curious because I find with myself, obviously, as, as a historian, I do a lot of writing, but I'm also a car guy that I, and, you know, the conservation end of my, my world and my life is hands-on. You know, I'm working on a car, I'm working on an engine, I'm working on something. I find that I have different times of day when I'm better at different things. Mm -hmm. So like there's times where, you know, I, all I want to do is I, I want to be working on something. I want to be building something and I don't really care about sitting down and writing something. And then there's times where my brain is going so fast about, you know, writing some, you know, either writing about an exhibit I'm working on at work or, you know, writing something for, you know, some historical article I'm doing or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm just curious if you guys both find that in your kind of careers, you know, Tony, you specifically, you are there, have you found that there's different kind of genius times or genius zones for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that physical labor, things like that, where you're working with your hands and you're kind of just zone out doing that kind of stuff. It's less analytical, but you're still in a creative flow. Uh, I'll tell you that, yeah, when you're writing books or writing anything that's creating something with your mind, that's the kind of what I call the zone of genius. Anything else could be a physical time. So a lot of people will ask you, you know, hey, you're so successful. Do you have a morning routine that, you know, because they're always trying to glean information, but I always tell people that I don't believe in a one size fits all morning routine. And, and, and there's books out there, there's New York Times bestselling books about, you know, miracle morning and stuff like that. And people read that and they take it as gospel. But if you go read that book, it would totally destroy my productivity because what does it say? Get up early, meditate, eat healthy, exercise, like, and all this stuff's in the morning. And like, no, dude, I get up, go get my coffee. Then I commute to my office here and I sit down and I do my creative work. I write copy. I create more ads. I build some webs. I do any kind of 
graphic design. I'm writing the next book. Like all that's in the morning. So if I were to get up and waste three hours exercising and meditating, I would lose that productivity. So the way I think about it is when I start to fade mentally and I don't want to be in that creative zone like you're talking about, that's when I go exercise. So I do all my weight lifting and exercise in the evening. So usually between 6 to 8 p.m. around this time is when I go to gym because my, my mind is just not there anymore. I don't really want to go like waste my time. You know, I could go be physical in that moment. And that's what, like, like you basically say that you just guard the time that applies to what you're doing. And don't think that yours, yours, because of what you're doing is different, that it's wrong. It's not. And the cookie cutter thing comes into play there too. Cause like, mm-hmm. I'm exactly the opposite as, as you are when it comes to like going to the gym or whatnot. Like if I go to the gym at night, I literally don't sleep all night. Like mm-hmm. it, I, I can't do that. But I mean, that's knowing your personal cycle, yeah. right? I mean, it's like, I read, I've read some books like that and listened to some books on tape that are like, you know, this is how you organize your life for maximum impact and success. And, don't tell me to make my bed every day. You're not my mom. <laughs> Dude, I <can't. laughs> I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm like, stop telling me that I have to make my bed in the morning because that is the weakest. Th- and, and there's a lot of cliche <laughs> phrases. There's, there's keynote speeches around that. And I laugh every time I hear it because they tell you crazy. If you get up in the morning and you make your bed and you accomplish something right away to start your day, then you're going to set the precedence that that you're going to have an amazing day because you've got that one goal done. And I'm thinking, dude, if making your bed is considered a right. goal, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a victory. Like your goals are a little man. tiny. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking pretty damn small. And you know what? My wife probably wouldn't be too happy if I tried to make the bed with her still laying in it. Right. And I look at our bed and I'm like, literally, we have, du- we have two duvets on our bed. Making our bed is this. Dragging it across. Yeah. Right I mean, it's literally, there's no, and I'm like, look, I don't have to, I don't have to do that to feel accomplished in the morning. What I have to do to feel accomplished in the morning is literally get up, go in, fire up the 53 accounts that I have to fire up for Nemesis Lab, zero to 60, no driving gloves, everything that we're doing and dig into whatever that project is. If I can make myself do that within 45 minutes of actually getting out of the bed that I didn't make. Woo! <laughs> Mission That's accomplished. Yeah. We're on the way. I like the conversation because this is the real truth. Like too many people are always looking for the magic potion or the silver bullet, and you know how am I going to get successful? And it's not because other people have different habits. Now we all have to be productive. We all have to be responsible. We all have to show consistency. But the whole little routine thing, I just don't buy into it because I know so many different people that are highly successful, and they all have different routines. So there's not one size fits all. How dare you! How, how how dare you? The military doesn't want you, sir. <laughs> I'm, I think I'm going to go make my bed before I get off You know this podcast. Actually, film it. Please stream, <laughs> stream that, please. Sean inspired me to make my bed before I go to sleep. It's less productive in the morning, but if I find if I can make the bed right before I get in it, I accomplish something at the end of the day. You accomplish it and then you tear it down. <laughs> wow. And then you know you have, to look, you have to look forward to going through the next 24 hours before you can do it again. There will that, be a, there's a meme for the... Yeah. You savor the bed making yeah. I, I for the end of the day. I think this is going to become part of Tony's talks. Oh, it's awesome. Now, I was going to say, Make I your see... Bed a, right before you get in. I see a meme tomorrow morning about making his... <laughs> uh, you could call it the Yoder effect and, and yeah. just, you know, I, I don't want much credit, just all of it. That's all. That's, Every day um, you should make your bed right before you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, the crazy thing is, if... 
enough people say it or it gets it gets out there. You should make your bed right before. And, and this is how I became successful. People are going to do it. Because, oh my God. That uh, should you know, be a, in your next book. That's, that's a chapter. Dude, that's dude, we could, we could totally start this out and see if it goes viral because then oh, one of you can yes. jump in and you go, Oh my God, I do the same thing. It really works. <laughs> I thought that yes. was what I, I only thought I did that. It really works. I you tried, tried getting it, a bunch it. of people doing it. <laughs> I, Man, that was, that was the premise of the book I'm writing. Thanks guys. <laughs> Well, you can start all over. You can start about. You can write a book. Derek needs to write a book about making your bed with steam power. You could have brass era hands and and a steam engine that pulls the the covers up. And let's go. I I really Sean, actually kind of want to see that now. Sean, Derek, I just I just run my zamboni over the bed. Okay. That's <laughs> that'll do it. It'll it'll definitely get the sheets flat. The objective here is to make your bed to clear your bed of negative energy so it looks refreshing and inviting so you get plenty of sleep that session. I just threw up a little bit. <laughs> I just, you keep going and I'm going to throw up a lot. No. Do we want to talk about cars or do we want to keep going on, on motivational? And, oh, I thought that was the show. I thought we were ending. Are we done? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's, as Derek said, Zamboni, and you know how That's that true. works. That is true. That's yeah. a safe uh, word. And we're out. Um, well, we can go anywhere that, you know, has no driving gloves is proved are proven. We'll, uh, eventually rotate right back around to business chat at some point in this. Yes. So of course we will. Uh, where, you know, are you, I, what was I was just listening to our, our editing, our Randy Popest episode that comes out in a day or two after this recording. Uh, two episodes before this recording releases. And Sean was saying that, you know, good thing we have a podcast because John can't speak anymore. But also in that episode, <laughs> it was brought up about using your Viper as a daily driver. And Sean said something about it. And him and Randy had a really good conversation about it. And all of a sudden it crossed my mind. I go, wait a second. I know somebody who kind of in his last podcast with us said, declared as Viper as kind of one of his daily drivers you still have that kicking around or have you changed anything tony or you still have the same toys same toys i haven't bought anything new in a couple of years i just kind of put the, the car hobby into distraction when i'm building this business out so yeah i still yeah. got the viper and that's typically what i drive gen 5 yep yeah i mean that's as soon as the Gen 5 came out, I was fortunate enough to be working with SRT when uh, when the Gen 5 came out and got to travel all over the country showing that car off you know, when, it, when it first came out. And that is the first Viper that is, unless you're a masochist, yeah, I've that got is the first Gen Viper 3. that you can yeah. daily drive. I've got a Gen 3 and a Gen 5. And Gen 3 is a kit part. car. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it just is, it's, it's a hyper kit car. It's yeah. absolutely amazing for what it is. But the Gen 5, you could actually enjoy driving that on a daily basis. You can have an adult conversation in the Gen yeah. 5. It's like It doesn't mirror. ride like a covered wagon. Um, right. Tony has <laughs> pictures. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's wrong with riding like a covered wagon now? Come on, well, Tony. You, when you do that, you die of dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> All Coronavirus. Come on. Come on. Coronavirus. There you go. As we said in the last episode, too, Tony's got pictures of him driving that Gen 5 in the snow. So, I mean, he does use it, uh, you know, he does use it as a car and a little bit more than most Viper owners do. 
How much, uh, how, much, how much can you get in there like from the grocery store? That's one thing we never did with any of the fleet cars that we had. We never, we never took you, the you shop. Can fill that, you can fill that hatch pretty well if, you, if you're willing to fill it up to the glass. And that's what, like my wife and I will take road trips and we'll just stuff that thing because we'll be gone for a week or two sometimes. And that's a lot, a lot of luggage for a woman. So we just pack it all the way up to the top of the window. So you can't see out the back window, but you don't really see much out that window anyways. When you're in the car, you just use your side mirrors, just like when you're racing. Nothing can keep up with you anyways. It really and doesn't then, matter. And then Sean just, or Tony just uh, puts his duffel bag on his lap. So yeah, then, right. <laughs> there you go. You just throw it in the back. Oh, never that's, that's my space. The rest is hers. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So stick, sticking with the car theme, one of the things that I wanted to, to, to dig in a little bit with you tonight is – where we're at right now, um, either you know we can we can keep it in, as a U.S. based question, or we can go global with this, or we can do both. Um, with the world on lockdown the way it's been, and with supply chains being interrupted all over the place, um, I just wanted to pick your brain and get your thoughts on what you think is is going to be the new normal in the in the auto industry when we start coming out of the other side of this thing. Um, do you think it's just, we're just going to open back up and woohoo, or, or are we going to open back up? And, and it's, I think it's going to be a really slow roll. I think there's, there's going to be a lot of pain involved in this. I think I could be completely wrong. And your fingers on the pulse of that more than mine is for sure. I just teach people, I'm driver monkey. I teach people, people how to drive fast. Um, but from a business perspective, how does the automotive industry get back rolling and how do we, really recover from this? What are your thoughts on that? I would say that definitely there's going to be some smaller businesses or maybe some that were underfunded that got steamrolled by that Zamboni and they're going to just fold up and we're just going to see that happening. You're going to start to see from a consumer perspective, you're going to start to see a lot of shop equipment going up for sale, like really cheap. You're going to have opportunities to maybe even buy into a shop or take it over right now. So as an entrepreneur, that's positioned properly, this might be your best opportunity to actually get into the business because some of the market shares died off. So yeah, as unfortunate as that sounds, these are the times when businesses really start to create distance and put laps on their competitors and take over market share. So if you're positioned yourself properly, or maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting to get into the industry, it might be a great opportunity to do that. You'll be able to buy things pennies on the dollars, be able to buy things at a wholesale cost. People are trying to fire sale their stuff or their cars, their equipment, their tools. These are all great opportunities because it's a great way to distinguish yourself right now on that uphill climb. Then when everything's going good and everybody's making money, then nobody's really just seeing any struggle. And it's kind of easy for everybody to make money. And you don't really climb faster than your competitors during those times. So entrepreneurs, we should be getting excited right now, even though it looks like there's turmoil. Everybody's running away. A lot of people are shrinking and getting away from the problem. The real fighters, the real victory people are running towards the, the, the problem and like figuring out how to get some opportunity out of this. So these are the times to do that. So car scene, I'm thinking, you know, here in the Houston area, the performance shops never closed because one of the, what is it, essential businesses was automotive repair. So we all put that air quotes automotive repair to go add 500 horsepower to your car. And so those guys have just been working right now. Soon enough, after all the layoffs and things like that, especially with the oil downturn in this industry, we're going to see a lag because a lot of the projects that are currently in shops were funded a couple months ago when everybody had money and oil wasn't negative dollars per barrel. So when you understand that, the Houston demographic and a lot of areas in this this country, your your toy money kind of dries up when they get laid off. And it's a pipeline business. As you know, a lot of these businesses are 
they're working two or three months behind on their backlog. So when those people are done with those projects, there's not going to be a lot of new ones coming in. You start to see if we get into a, a recession, which we haven't yet proven yet, you're going to see a lot more people holding on to their money instead of trying to spend money. Now, the investors, like I just mentioned, they're being aggressive, will go spend that money to grow and create, create a lot of distance between themselves and their competitors right now. Yeah. That's the right way to do it. Taking the risks whenever the risk is really low, because when it th- things are undervalued and we lose, there's really not much to lose when you think of it that way. But when things are great and they're overvalued and you go buy in and you lose, you have a lot more to lose at that point because you overpaid. So you got to think about these opportunities with business and automotive industry as a like manufacturer perspective. We were already seeing a bad year of sales in 2019, a lot of stagnation, a lot of inventory piling up. You're starting to see the prices just really come down on a lot of vehicles, especially new car market. And they didn't really need this, op, you know, this, this event to happen. It really kind of kneecapped them at the same time. We're starting to see those zero for zero percent for 84 month loans being strung out again. That hasn't happened since 2008. And when that happened last time, I bought a, a CTS V Cadillac. Were there, were there 84s back in 2008? It was 72 for 72. zero for 72 in, in yeah. 2008. And I bought maybe three new cars that year because it was a great opportunity to go run somebody else's, you know, leverage their credit and not right. my own. But the we're seeing that come around again. They're trying to entice the, the sales. I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody that's selling cars. I don't know if it's doing good or bad, but I can't imagine they're flying off the lots. I mean, I, I don't just, think it's, I, I really just, don't think it's doing anything. I know yeah. a couple people here local in the Birmingham area that um, are either in management or in sales and mm-hmm. on new and used car lots and they're hurting. They're, yeah. They're yeah. Hurting you, you just go um, drive by and you just see the stacked inventory and all the nothing. dealers. It's just full. Yeah. And I, I just, it's going to hurt the new car sales for sure. And then, like you said, the suppliers or the parts, there's going to be a lot of things that are back ordered and it, it'll, it'll cause a mess, but however many months that the, we're getting delayed. So we're probably approaching three months now. It's going to probably impact that industry for the same amount of time. On the going back end, going the, forward after we yeah. start right, opening on the back, back end. up. And then we look towards the fall, knowing we're not going to have a vaccine by the fall. Yeah. I mean, I, at least probably not going to have a vaccine by the fall that would be rushing something like that out um you know where where are we in the fall when this rears its head up again you know what what happens there and and that's that's an uncertainty that none of us can really say i mean we're none of us in this in this chat right now are in a position i don't think governmentally to say i already know that there's going to be another lockdown or that's just going to stay wide open or you know it's whatever happens there is uh it's it's the general public is not going to lose the malaise that they're in right now for quite a while. I don't think. Yeah. The the only difference between the, the fall return of this versus now we're talking flu seasons because that's what it is. Yeah. The thing is that we do know some data. We know worldwide data. We know the mortality rates per capita. We know the, the, a lot of people carry it without ever feeling it, things like that. We know a lot more information now from testing and just seeing the stuff for the last few months. So I don't think it's going to be as panic mode and severity as the reaction, because although we can look at people dying, unfortunately, that's the case with even with flu and a lot of other, you know, things that we, we deal with accidents, heart disease, cancer, we see a lot of people dying. So we know the mortality rates. So I think that a lot of people right now are, are fearful based on, the media and the doom and gloom that they've been you know, showing for the last couple months. Because when you think about it, they don't react to the flu this way. And people are like, well, Tony, well, this is, this is more contagious than the flu. 
It's like it is, but the mortality rate's proving to be about the same. So are we just afraid of catching something? That's all we're really afraid of, just catching something. We're not really afraid of dying because it's the same mortality rate. So you should be fearing the mortality rate of things. And if it's killing a lot of people, half the population, that might be something that like, oh my gosh, we need to like isolate and keep each other away from each other. And so although we talk about these big numbers, the media has a good way of highlighting numbers that make things look really scary, right? They don't like to talk about per capita. They don't like to talk about the recovery rates. They don't like to talk about anything that makes people less fearful because they know that people are addicted to fear, just like the train wreck. You know, people can't drive by a train wreck without seeing things or they're always looking for that. So the media knows that they, people are addicted to fear. They're going to keep dishing fear out every day to kind of keep you scared and use these messages. But the thing is, is that, let me give you a polarizing example. When all this was firing off in March, my wife and I, we were in Portugal on vacation and we were there for two days and, and they were talking about shutting the U.S. borders and you need to figure a way to get back. And we're like, no, we'll just hang out here. It's pretty good here. We're actually closer to all the, the carnage over there because we're right next to Spain. They got the U.K. right above us. A lot more cases of coronavirus around at that point in March. And watching the news there versus the news back in the United States was completely different. They just reported things like calmly. And they said, okay, here's where it is. Here's, here's how some precautions, wash your hands. We're going to just do some social distancing, take some precautions, maybe wear a mask if you wish. And everybody there was calm and just chill. So you could actually go to the grocery store and they had toilet paper. I was going to ask. There was no lines. <laughs> People treated themselves politely. They just kind of gave each other a little bit more space. And it was just really calm. And we're watching, then you go flip to Fox or CNN or anything else when you're at the hotels over there. And like, it's like, oh my God, this is all going to, we're all going to die. And look at these big numbers we're going to highlight in red font. So they flash in the screen at you and you, you're going to die. And, and the people in America were just losing their minds, man. And we're watching it from another country going, aren't we closer to the stuff right now? Like they're not acting like that over here. So it's a, it's a testament that I got to see that in this, this, situation and realize that the American media is terrible, whatever channel you're watching at trying to make you scared of things. And it's like, this is awful. So I would rather have it the way they did. They just been, they were just really calm the entire thing. And so the automotive industry and the rest of the world probably has a better chance of recovering quicker from this than the U S does just because of the panic that's been built up. I mean, and, and I don't disagree with you on that. I, I, I try not to get, crazy political um i do my best not to get crazy political i made a political post the other day on social media and literally had friends that i've had for 30 years come at me like i was just crazy people go crazy right now yeah and i I, you know every once in a while you, you just something pops and you have to vent and as soon as I did it, I was like, yeah, people are not going to like that. And, but I don't, I, I just didn't care. You know really. what? I don't, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't, I just didn't really care. I don't antagonize um, people, but I don't back down from my beliefs. Right. You know? Like you're welcome yeah. to challenge me if you do it professionally, politely and respectfully. Yeah, if it's you may a nice not get and, the answer. If it's you know? an intelligent conversation, I'm all for, right. I, I have a friend who has a 180 degree difference in her views than mine. Uh, and we have very, I'm one of the few people she'll have a conversation with on social media because she knows my stuff's researched and it's thought out and I know her stuff is, and it makes a very nice 
conversation and then you can watch all the stragglers jump in and argue with each one of us on, on this and we've tried to keep you know the virus is obviously a big thing right now and especially re- we're recording this at the very end of April so every you know there's a big up in arms do we reopen do we stay shut do we do things like this and there's the possibility of this coming back in the fall and in trying to keep this show a little bit evergreen and still keep it tied a little bit automotive like you said you know a lot of automotive places are deemed essential and you know I've got friends do do wraps and paint protection film and they're still you know they're they're single person shops and they're still functioning under that but there's still a little slow down to their business because their clientele are getting tighter and tighter with their money and one thing I wanted to kind of ask you Tony is you're you're the master of the side hustle and different thinking and you alluded to you know this is going to be a time that if you wanted to get into a shop there's going to be inexpensive opportunities or deals to be had for those that didn't plan ahead. Matter of fact, I had a conversation with a close friend of mine probably mid-March or something, and he was saying to me, he goes, I almost bought a bar in January. And can you see what would happen if I would have spent my money on a bar? I would have, you know, I would have been in huge trouble. I said, yeah, but it's a good thing you didn't because right now you need to go buy a bar. And he looked at me like I was nuts. And I said, you're going to be able to buy an established bar that has clientele that's closed that everybody's going to be clamoring to go back to because they didn't plan or they weren't you know, properly set. And I think that's, I, I made a post today about that business-wise when uh, Ford uh, announced they were pulling out of the Riven electric vehicle tr- uh, company today because of whatever it you know, they said, and my response is, I think they realized when Amazon got involved, they were going to be back burner company and Amazon was going to get taken care of before Ford or Ford was financing research for Amazon in this. So they wanted out. And some of the restaurants are doing that. You know, I'm seeing restaurants close and people are upset they're closing, but they're the big national change and they're closing and using COVID as an excuse to get out of their leases. So Now's the time I agree with you to potentially, if you are set and have the the capital to go out and look for a business or go out and look for that piece of equipment you need to add to your shop. But if there is a downturn, I mean, say somebody I know that owns a vinyl wrap company and this is going to start affecting their business if this continues or uh, rehab, you know, if all this panic and shutdowns happen in the fall, it's going to be a different thing. Is there anything that has crossed your mind that might be a quick, easy, or an alternative? Because even my consulting business, I'm kind of restructuring to a automotive digital marketing type thing to be a little bit more into that digital space opposed to that hands-on. It also goes back to what I was structuring is I'm selling my time and I need to be able to sell not sell me, be able to sell a product that I'm producing and be able to be, you know, eight places at once as opposed to one. Do you have anything along those lines or any thoughts? I think the automotive industry as a whole, especially the performance side, really didn't have a huge hit because a lot of people are out there working on their cars right now, building stuff, they're ordering things. I know the online part sales have been going through the roof for the friends that own those kind of businesses right now. And so maybe you want to position your business to be more virtual, more online 
sales-based because when people are unemployed, I've built an entire car when I was unemployed. But got to do something. And if you got enough money put away, you can just order parts and do things while you're looking for your job or, or trying to get better. Maybe you're fixing that project car that's in the back that you can sell to be able to get some money out of that because it's just sitting there worthless right now. I think that anything that's online is going to be the safe bet and anything that doesn't require your presence in person. So now if you're a mechanic, you have to maybe be a little bit more creative. You might have to be the, the traveling mechanic now instead of having people come to you. But that's assuming they don't close the, the mechanic repair shops because those have been very fortunate to stay open. So I do like to talk about the businesses, like you said, that, that you could probably get into really cheap right now. I think right now gyms, you know, they've been shut down. A lot of the memberships got canceled. A lot of the owners have a lot of rent to pay on those, those locations. They don't want to pay. They got a lot of rent on new equipment. Might be a good time to go buy a gym when this reopens. Might be a, a really good time to go buy that bar or the restaurant as well because of the same reason. So those are some things that you might want to look out for. So don't think that you got to stay inside your actual profession or your industry. That's really limited thinking. And I think a lot of companies go bankrupt and they go out of business because of the ego of the owner, because they say, oh, this is all we do. This is all we do. And they start using these convenient excuses why, oh, the government's keeping me from working. Well, no, the government's keeping that business model from operating, you know, but you can be creative and pivot and adapt to do something differently at the same time. So, for example, I've got one client's oil field services. Oil field's kind of drying up right now. So what are we doing? We're pivoting and doing things different with his equipment doing some more construction stuff. Maybe he's hauling things for different companies and being a logistics brand companies. He's got trucks and flatbeds to go do that kind of stuff. So look around at your resources, the team that you have, what are the unique talents and abilities that you might be able to monetize in a different industry or different vertical and understand that that's the potential. If you want to be a true entrepreneur, you got to be willing to adapt to have some level of flexibility and not use your ego and go, well, this is all I do. This is, this is all I do. And this is all I've ever done for 20 years. Like, You've got a lot of talents, a lot of skills, a lot of experience. You need to apply those and keep your eyes open. It's, I, you just pop something in my head. You know, if, if you own a car lot, a used car lot in particular, and you're moving nothing right now, the pivot move that just popped in my head is literally, especially if it's a, if it's a personal lot, you know, it's, mm -hmm. not a, it's not a Mercedes lot or an Audi lot or whatever, and you have a bunch of 2014 and newer cars on your lot, when we come out of the other side of this thing and Uber and Lyft open back up, there's literally the people who couldn't afford to go get the car that they really needed are still going to need a ride. You got a, you got a car lot full of cars, find 20 people and put 20 people in those cars and go out and start your own Uber taxi lot. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I've, I've driven Uber a little bit. It's freaking lucrative, man. I mean, it's, it is actually a, if you hit it at the right time, you can make $40, $50 an hour running Uber. And that, I mean, $40, $50 an hour is not a bad wage when you're just driving around in your own car. No, it's $100,000 a year if you did it full time. Not bad. <laughs> it's, it's not bad at all. And yeah, if you had a lot full of cars, why not try to pivot that way? It's, there are so many creative directions you can go. Um, and, you know, we, we obviously no driving gloves is, is vehicular in nature. Um, that's, that's why we created this show. All of us love that side of things, but the, the business pivot right now, I think is a really, really big deal. And that's one of the reasons why I reached out to you, Tony. And that's as soon as I told the guys that, that I, I got you to agree to come back on. They were like, well, what are we going to talk about? We already talked. That was, it's 
John was like business. <laughs> I mean, he's like, we're, just, we're gonna have a no driving gloves business show, and and this is exactly why we brought you on. It's just to get people thinking in a different way, um, because I know that there are a lot of people out there right now that are sitting on a they're sitting on a body shop, they're sitting on a hot rod shop, they're sitting on um, you know some hot rod shops. Some hot rod shops are killing it right now. Like you said, there there's still plenty of people out there that are going to finish their project. There's still plenty of people out there that have positioned themselves to where they can ride out the next year or two years, three years, five years, and they're just fine. Um, but there are a lot of people out there that are also sitting on that used car lot that literally they're like, this is my entire life. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. And the other side of that is, you know, uh, a consulting business. How would you do that? How would you set up a, a consulting business and approach the mom and pop body shop car lot to approach them and, and basically say, these are some opportunities that you have. If you feel the need to pivot and find alternate sources of income with what you do, like how, how would you approach that from a consulting standpoint or would you do that? I think it, when things become desperate or when things become more challenging, what people value the most is the pain in the ass factor. Like what are the things that you would normally not do because you thought you were too good to do that? Or you, you know, you know, these a lot of egos, a lot of things that happen, like, like delivering cars or picking up cars from your customer's doorstep. Yeah. You might like some of these shop owners be like, Oh, bring it to me. But if you were the shop that would be willing to go get your flatbed and go pick it up for them, fix it and bring it back. That's a little bit of a pain in the ass factor that they may actually pre- appreciate and that might get you the gig. See, so there's a lot of these little things that involve customer service or feedback or support that a lot of people have taken for granted because the economy was really good and they were making money and they didn't have to air quote settle for doing that because nobody else was doing it. Well, you got to be creative now. Like what are you going to do to differentiate yourself, to make yourself have a, a level of quality that other people aren't willing to do? Maybe that's daily updates. Like, you know what? I'm going to build this car for you. And every day I'm going to take five photos or a video, a real quick video of what we did today. And I'm going to send that to you every day. We're going to keep you very updated and communication channel is going to be there for you. How's that? And they're like, wow, that's great. Because they know that most shops, your car kind of just goes there and it kind of goes in this black hole. And you always have to ask them, like, Where, how's the car going? How, what's going on with the car? What, has anything done to it? Weeks go by, kind of gets backburnered. Well, maybe this is the time for the shop owners to go, you know what? We need to do a better job of doing that and like be vocal about that. And that's why we're better. Yeah. Instead of you driving by and you see this, you see your car sitting in the same spot that it sat in when you dropped it off. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So many different things that we can do to, to up our game. And, and like you said, Tony, differentiate ourselves coming out of the other side of this and, and position ourselves to actually, I never want to say really that, that you want to take advantage of the situation like this, but that's kind of what you're doing. I mean, you, if you're positioned properly to come out the other side of it and provide things that everybody is going to need, or at least a lot of people want and still have the ability to get. That's, then, that's a, that's then, a key, that's a good observation. Win. There's a good observation because a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of business owners feel a little bit of guilt or shame going out there and advertising right now on business because they realize a lot of people have lost their jobs and things like that and they don't want to come across greedy, but that's a self-limiting belief from a sales perspective. So now if your t- intent is pure and you're really just trying to save your company and save your employees, then that's your business owner. If you're, in, if you're a business owner, you're 
number one goal is to keep your the life of your business, to ensure the long, long, long longevity and life of your business. That's what they pay you to do as an owner. Yep. So you got to remove emotion from that kind of stuff. And it's not to say go out there and be a jerk and be unscrupulous and like screw people over. And that's that's where people kind of think about the shame part of it. Don't go buy all the hand sanitizer in a four state area. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't don't just, be that guy. If you're manipulating stuff and just doing dirtbag stuff to try to make money, you're you're being an opportunist and you're really doing things shady. And people will remember that forever. Now, if you're just trying to get more business for your existing business or pivot or do something different to keep your business viable. That's you should be applauded for that because you're being creative and you're doing what it takes. And most people find it really easy just to fold or quit and go, you know what? It's not for me. And you know what? And they, they lose. That's what's going to happen. There's going to be people that have done what it takes and they're going to be the ones that win from all this. Have you seen in your, your consulting and, and, and everything that you've done over the last decade or so, have you seen people who they were willing to make the pivot? They were willing to do what uh, they needed to do in order to protect whatever they were either starting, building, or have built and, and got it to a certain level. But they stopped short in the area of actually being able to say, and this is why I'm doing this. This is like, I, that to me is one of the key things is to be able to be honest about the reasons you're pivoting, the reasons you're, you're implementing new service, the reasons you're going after a new area in business. So many people, they lock up when it comes time to say, yeah, we're doing this because we know we have to. And we realize that we might not have done a great job doing this before, but we know we need to do it now. And, you know, we, this woke us up and we hope that this helps you. Do you see people that lock up in that last step? And how would you encourage them to get over that last step? Because for me, it's literally like, just do it. Just speak up. But I want, I want your perspective on that. I think it comes down to your core values and your character. Like you said, it's always better to be transparent and be open and share the people, share the audience, the journey you're going on, the ups and the downs. It's, it creates relatability. People can see like you're struggling and they're like, man, this guy's really putting in the work, they're doing these things, they're pivoting, they're moving along, they're trying to get progress. They're going to admire that. They're going to say, this guy doesn't give up. I want to work with that one. I want to hire that person. Now, if you're out there just making a bunch of excuses or you're lying, then that kind of goes back to the intent again. Like you're not being honest and people have a really good BS detector, don't they? And they can just sense it in their gut. Like this, this person's full of crap. Like they do, but you oh. see people in, in all businesses that, that somehow get to some level of success <laughs> and you just look at them and you're like, not only do I think you're full of shit, you're full of shit. And it just, that blows my mind. I would rather deal, like you said, I would rather deal with the person who is just as genuine as they can be, even if it's genuine about a mistake or the way you have been doing things or from my personal standpoint here over the last month or so, it's literally, I have three clients that are waiting on products and every other day I am calling my supply chain going, are you open yet? Nope. Any plans? Where you at? And I'm calling these people and I'm literally like, this is where we're at. This is what's going on. I'm doing everything I can. We're, mm -hmm. we'll, we're looking for alternative sources. We have found a couple of alternative sources for, for certain things. And it's just, being able to have that genuine conversation, I think, with clients is, it's key, 
but it's also really hard for some folks to do. And I, I've never been able to figure out why. So the difference there is on the back end of these things. You talked about people who create some kind of a perceived success that maybe people kind of have a BS detector about. And we've seen a lot of examples of that in, in any kind of industry. But here's the thing. When things turn negative for those people, whenever those people fall, man, they fall really hard and people like kick them all the way down, don't they? But if someone was actually genuine and they have a bad time or a bad year, people show up to support them. And that's, yeah. where, that's where the benefit actually comes in. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. I wanted to kind of, you know, we've been picking Tony's brain here a lot. And I, I appreciate you openly answering a lot of these questions, Tony, because this is stuff that you get paid lots of money and paid well to, to help people with. And, you know, we've spent 45 minutes now, 50 minutes now, wherever we're at, um, discussing some of these business ideas and that. And some of them are, are great. Uh, and, I want to allude a little bit to, we're very non-car on this episode, but it's trying to be, teach people to be a little bit proactive and things like I said earlier, but a little bit about your Facebook groups and a little bit about uh, your, you know, your um, subscription model or your business consulting a little bit. I want you to promote you just in case any of our listeners want to figure out some advice. I know some of our listeners are already subscribers to you know, it's 365 driven on um, Facebook. You, a matter of fact, had a meme very early on in this. And you're very big that you're not into the accessories, motivational posters and pretty, you know, the mountain range and I'm going to excellence and this is great and la, la, la. Your memes and that are really direct and to the point and sometimes a little bit cruel. But you you had one that was a big Im impact on me and I consult for uh, a local DJ a little bit on his podcast and give him some advice. And I threw one out at him that was um, just in general conversation. And he goes, you know, we're going to talk about that tomorrow morning on the show uh, because you're right. And the meme you had put up or the saying that you put up is that everything that we're complaining about, in this lockdown, in this virus, we're just complaining about not having our first world privileges or, you know, everything we're complaining about our first world problems and never clicked in my head. But it's true. You know, I'm upset because I can't go out to a restaurant and eat. I can't go to Perry's Steakhouse and have a, you know, $17 pork chop on Friday afternoon, you know, for lunch. You have to bring up the pork chop. I mean, come on, man. That's <laughs> exactly. not that's cruel. That's cruel, man. See, you know exactly what I'm saying. It's the uh, best you know, pork chop. <laughs> I, I'm complaining because I can't go to the movies. But if I was in name third world country here. Nigeria. I, yeah, I would be, yeah, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not <laughs> complaining because I have to walk to go to the fields to pick my corn to make, you know, dinner tonight that's my norm so i really like some of that stuff and some of the the motivational things that you put out there and the group does a great job of helping each other out there's some questions get put up there and you know you get not everything i'm sure that's posted you agree with but it gets some very intelligent dialogue there's not a lot of like sean said earlier the political arguing back and forth. I'm sure, you know, a lot of the members of your groups are, we're all of the same mindset when it comes down to it. 
was saying that that helps with it but it's it's they're very productive pages even on the free level and i said to you just before the show i was upset or you know i really thought about joining one of your paid tiers as a initial subscriber and you made you know reference to oh yeah i I could probably still do that and do you want to tell us a little bit about your concept behind 365 driven and you know what the free pages can do and even what your books books about and explain a little bit about who you are this is your introduction at the end of the show but you know i want to give you an opportunity to maybe you know promote your business self-promotion yeah self-promo mode hat on yeah (laughs) so i guess for context of the automotive listeners out there that may not be familiar with my name i was the co-founder of ls1tech.com so very 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 big general motors performance community three hundred thousand members actually the busiest busiest general motors website on the internet even to this day built that in 2001 sold it in 2007 for a couple million and basically just started doing different businesses in the vertical automotive space automotive and, wheels and yeah. let me interrupt and you started ls1 at a very key downturn in your life you've had yes. you've you've ridden a little bit of a roller coaster Absolutely. and that was if excuse me if i'm wrong that was a period of unemployment and Depression, down on your luck and newborn yeah. kid three jobs severe I, debt i yeah. think you you've said that you started ls1 because it gave you something positive in every day uh we joked i can't remember it was early on in the show or before the show about making your bed every morning and a little small thing but that was your one positive in every day it's something you look forward to whether it was to see how many new subscribers you had or what the posts were or even if i guess you were going to learn something but you don't have to be on top of the world you don't have to have three hundred thousand dollars to invest in a business you just have to have a little idea and figure out how it starts yeah, it's actually never been easier to start a business. It was a lot harder back then because we had to code the website and create all the graphics and do all these different things. It's a lot easier now. 2001 was really, yeah, that was a low point for me, 2000, 2001. And the business was an escape for me. It was the, the one sign of hope that I can maybe pull out of it and have some escapism and enjoy talking about cars with some friends online. And then, then it grew and it grew and it grew. But it's, so I'm a community builder. I built that. Then I built performancetrucks.net. We grew that one to 260,000 members. Did another one for a, cl- a customer. It grew to 100,000 members. So I'm very good at building communities. And I think a lot of times people just do things incorrectly. From For me, I'm, I'm a servant leader. I like to engage and be a participant within my communities. It's not egocentric. I don't want to ever sit at the top of the mountain and go, this is all because of me. And I'm super awesome. And you guys are all here because of me. And I'm just major. Like that's the celebrity type mindset that most people carry that just don't really serve them well in an actual community. You can have fans like that, but you'll never have a strong community. And I'd rather have a strong community. I try to make the people within my community become friends by having events around the country in Los Angeles and Chicago and the East Coast, New Jersey and Florida and Houston and get people off their keyboards and come out there and actually meet each other, make handshakes and race each other, talk a little smack. And then they go back as friends. And I know if I could do that, I was going to have a big website that I was going to have all these micro communities around the world eventually. And that's what it grew into. So the other passion I have outside of cars is entrepreneurship. So I said, you know what, I'm going to take these same principles of leadership and scaling and building companies. And I'm going to go out there and do this thing for the entrepreneurship. So I built this online community, 365 driven. 
and up with the intent of teaching people confidence, certainty, and entrepreneur business skills. And that's what the the book Side Hustle Millionaire that you talked about earlier is how to take the ideas in your head and how to make those into your actual business. It's a great business book for someone that wants to start their first business or someone that I would say in the first seven you know seven figures. If you get to one million revenue, probably it's a good book if you're in that in that zero to one million revenue range. Beyond that, yeah, you probably need some more advanced coaching and things like that. The one-on-one coaching programs, perhaps, but. 365 Driven is a, my goal is to have over a million members in that group. And that's because I had over 500,000 combined in my other group. So I'm very competitive against myself. It's like, why not double that? I'll hit a million. I'll hit it with certainty. I know I'll hit a million plus in that because I know how to grow these things. And it's just a matter of time. I have a good, I'm aggressively patient is what I call it. So I'm very aggressive with my actions, but I'm very patient for the results most people are impatient. They don't get the results, so they quit too soon. I know that I can outwork people and outlast people, so that's my advantage. And I just, it's a matter of time. Like these downturns, things that happen like this, that's a matter of just outlasting people again, right? So be aggressive in these kind of downturns and look for those opportunities and plan for these downturns because you know they happen about every decade. So here we are in the middle of one. You might want to start planning for that next one to come around in 10 years from now and position yourself properly to take advantage of it then. So that's 365 Driven Society is a group I started just really as a support group for entrepreneurs to really help each other. If anyone's interested in seeing that, go to 365driven.com. You'll find links to all that. And it's really, I made it really affordable too. I'm not trying to go like, this is 1997 for, a, you know, you get these speakers up there on the stage and trying to sell you for $2,000 all the time. It becomes cliche. I said, I want to make this really easy for people. The number in my name is 365 driven. So I'm going to call it, it's going to cost $365. And some people charge that. I charge more than that per hour for the coaching I do. Okay. That's what the entire year of membership is in that community, $365. So I will hit a million people when you think about that. And it's going to be because it's accessible information from people who have actually done what you want to achieve. You're able to ask the hard questions and get actual answers from people who actually have done it. So we built the mentorship type network into it. You can ask anything you want in there. We're going to give you the answers if we, if we have the answers to that. And it's just a great way to get support when you're, when you're surrounding yourself with a bunch of people who aren't really supporting you and your friends and your family, you want to go find people with like-minded mindsets. And that's the entrepreneurship. We're very strong in personal development. We talk about health, fitness, relationships, mindset, all these key factors that are going to attribute to your success. Cause it's not always about financial success. It's about finding the better version of yourself in every aspect. And that's what 365 Driven is. So it's been a great um, group. I think I've been a member of the, the free page from, I want to say, 1,000, 1,200 members. And I don't know where you're at now. And it's grown and grown. And you just had that milestone of 10,000 followers on uh, Instagram, uh, which you've done all through really organic growth, you know, I don't see ads for you popping up. I don't see, uh, you know, pushes or whatever, whatever social media site. And you've always been very accessible. You, when people comment, you at least go back and acknowledge with a thumbs up or a smiley face or a laugh. Uh, So you're, you're in there every day and, you know, and you're very, so you're very helpful because obviously, you, you know, you said you're, you charge more than $365 an hour and you've given us an hour of your time really for free. And 
you know, I encouraged you to, to plug your business. You, I don't think you really wanted to. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, Derek sat over here in the corner, very quiet. Is that because we just keep over talking you, Derek, or are you just sitting there gathering information? Do you have, ask Tony something? Oh, I always gather. I, I asked him the first question about his, you know, creative time, his genius time, all that. So, you know, hey, come on. Give me a little credit here, John. <laughs> hey, Derek, make uh, your bed, man. Make your bed. That's absolutely. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go. No. Are, you getting uh, ready? Are you getting ready to go to bed? So, I'm getting ready to go to bed. Make your bed. Um, <laughs> Have a cup of no, coffee I mean, go to bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean, I, I you know, I, I'm listening. Um, you know, I think even – I a year ago, whenever it was, we had Tony on. I think I even admitted then, you know, a, a business mindset is uh, something I've never, um, never had a great aptitude for. I don't know why. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I can, I can work on stuff. I'm, I'm creative, all that. Uh, so I, I've been listening just like I did the last time Tony was on, um, you know, and, and the last time, he was on, you know, he made some suggestions for actually all three of us on, on things just from our conversations that, you know, he saw, um, that could possibly be, you know, side hustles for us. And as John mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm, since that point, I've been steadily working on trying to get that set up and, and work towards that, even with the, the 40, well, 60 plus hour a week job, um, museums aren't as easy as I think people think they are sometimes. Um, but I mean, I, you know, I'm listening and, uh, you know, thinking about everything that Tony says and, you know, as, as John said, you know, I follow him on social media, kind of keep up with what he's putting out there and, and try to think that through and do all that. So uh, that's what I've really been doing. And, and obviously John, we all know that, we talk about it on every episode I'm on. Uh, my internet sucks and you guys usually are over talking me just because by the time I actually get words out and then it gets over the internet, it's, you know, we're five minutes into the conversations. <laughs> we probably should go to you raise your hand. Hey, I'm going to, yeah, I'll just, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send up a this, flare. Give us the signals. The team America signal. <laughs> yeah. Let me it, you see. The problem is it takes me a half hour to get the steam engines. You actually warmed up. <laughs> To get the steam signals going to, you know, I mean. Starts out at 7.30 next time. I, well, I got to make my bed first. Oh, well, <laughs> we're giving you way too many things to do. Yeah. It's getting way cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Well, but I, I appreciate Tony being on. He's always got, yeah, I mean, he's always got great, great insights, great things to talk about. Um, you know, and I mean, like I say, you know, business aptitude is is probably one of my, um, lower skill levels. So I'm, I'm probably not as good in the conversation here as somebody like Sean or John, but, um, you know, when we, we talk about cars or history, things like that, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build my business aptitude. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> to bring it back. It's, it's an ongoing thing. Now bring it back to cars a little bit. Um, you said you're writing another book, Tony, uh, or, and what, what's on the horizon? What, what's next for you? You're writing another book, you're developing another business. Uh, can you release any of that? Do you have any, or, or you, you have an automotive goal in the future? Or um, I want to say, I thought I saw you make kind of a negative post about cars the other day, because it seems you're so focused 
on the next thing. And, you know, you've pushed cars to the back burner a little bit for, for a while. And, you know, every now and then we have to do that. Um, I've done it in my career. Um, I think Sean's done it in his career. Derek might have done it in his career, but. <laughs> so, yeah, I love, I love cars. That was a big part of my life for most of my life, even since I was a child. And in 2015, when I left the oil industry and I decided I was going to go focus on building things full time and get into the companies and, and really try to make more impact in the world rather than just doing things for myself. I had to be willing to sacrifice something I truly love to go be focused 100% on the things that I'm doing now. So for me, that was cars and that was tough because you go from someone that's buying three brand new cars every single year and racing every weekend and spending a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of distractions. Love doing it. But the thing is, the truth was it was a big distraction for what I had in mind. So I was willing to put that thing for the side and go focus on something and build something that I really need that to have the what I'm working on now with the 365 driven. So that's the things I teach people is like, you got to be willing to trade good for great. Most people get to a good point in their life. They got a good income, good friends, good job, good house, but they want great, but they're not willing to sacrifice good to go get great. And that's what gets in, in your way. Like good is what gets in the way of greatness. So I had to go be able to take a step backwards and actually scale back my life momentarily for a couple of years to go focus on what I did because the first two years I wasn't charging anybody. I was lining up my processes and systems, proving results, helping people for free. I helped 22 people start their first company in 2018, didn't charge them a dime. Happy to report that was a hundred percent success rate. All of them are still in business right now, even during the COVID. So we built a lot of strong businesses for them. And then I said, okay, I got the processes. I've got the repeatability in 19. I started charging and that just became the one-on-one coaching. And now we got the group rate coaching to keep it more affordable for everybody. And that's the thing I'm doing. I'm building that. I'm building into the speaker business as well. So I got a lot of different revenue streams from the same business model, but that was all by intention. But you got to be patient for that kind of stuff. You have to be willing to go do that stuff for free for one or two years before you can monetize that. Most people get too greedy and they want to make money right away and they don't get the result again and then they quit too soon. So if you start to hear this repeated cycle that I of my success is I'm going to put a lot of purpose behind something, a lot of effort behind something and understand where it's going to lead five to 10 years down the road rather than trying to capitalize on one year and short term profits. Most people are unwilling to do that because they have what you know Derek was talking about, the, the business mind versus the employee, employee versus entrepreneurship mind. When you have the employee mindset, think about most people's money. They think that they got to go trade their hours for dollars. So if somebody's making $50,000 right now, they're working 40 hours a week and you go, Hey, how come you're not making a hundred thousand? They're like, Oh wow. I would have to work double that. I'd have to work 80 hours a week to go do that. So they, they basically associate time and money because we grow up hearing John time is money. Sean, time is money. Money's time. And you hear this from your boss. You hear it from your parents. You hear it from your teachers. And that is a self-limiting belief that keeps you stuck into the employee mindset circle that you don't even have awareness of because entrepreneurs, we try to figure out how we use other people's time to make money. We use, we try to figure out how to make money without time because we know that time and money are not connected anymore and that they shouldn't be because you can be a lot more creative and, and scale to a lot do- higher dollar values when you don't have to trade your $1 unit and one hour unit, right? So you got to start to just see opportunities out there that you can use other people's time, but we call those employees, by the way, 
or you have contractors, you're making money off of their time, not your own. See, that's when things get really interesting. Or you do something digital product or a, a service that's online, fully online, and you're running ads to it. And it's like this money machine and you're putting money in and the money's coming back out a little bit more. You might spend 80% of an investment into that online service or the advertising and you might make 20%, but you don't have to spend any time once it's all set up. It's just making money in the background. All this is possible now. It's never been easier. All the information's out there. It's a lot of free information. Hire a coach, hire a mentor, join some groups that if you don't have the skills yet, and you're going to get coached up and you'll just catch up. That's how it works. If you want quicker results, hire people that have done what you want to achieve and you're going to get results faster. Or you can just go, hey, I'm self-made and see you in 10 years because you're probably going to be in the exact same situation. So we can shortcut any process nowadays. It's a lot easier if you get the money. If you don't have the money, you hope they have time. That's the, that's the trade-off until you get to those systems. So yeah, I know that's a lot to say, but it's you got to disconnect time and money. And the sooner you start to think about that, your opportunities for your potential really have no limits. It's a very valid statement. And it's something I've always had an entrepreneur mind. I've, you know, my father was an entrepreneur for many, many, many years until he finally retired 30, 35 years. I can't remember. I have to sit here and do the math. My grandfather, his dad, was a hourly guy, you know, worked in accounts payable for a major tractor manufacturer and you know, they eventually got sold and you know, he 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 took an early retirement and I mean it worked out for him, but he never understood and and as I even looked at various business opportunities over the years, he was always, why are you wasting your time? You need to, you know, you need that hourly. Do you want to take that risk? And I got to a point where I started to develop some side hustles. And, you know, I don't even think it was a term at the time and tried to do some stuff on the side. I mean, even this podcast, which is slowly growing into a, hopefully a, a money generating business, but I put a lot of time and effort and money into it the last three years to learn to make it a, a good product and whether no driving gloves becomes profitable. We, we I'm developing two monetizable podcasts as we speak right now. So it might become a career, but I've put a lot of time and effort into learning the business. And what my biggest holdup for the longest time was, is I was a slave to debt. You know, I was used to a paycheck every week. I was used to X number of dollars a month. And I borrowed every dollar a month I made. So everything I made per month, I was putting back out to have the toys that I wanted. And about mid last year, I woke up and I looked at what I had in the bank and I looked at what my debt was. And I go, you know, it's pretty conceivable. Now I'm in a situation that, you know, my fiance owns a house. So we're leaving a mortgage out. I would still have a mortgage and I do pay her you know, money towards the house every month to, to quote his rent to live here, uh, assist with expenses. But I got rid of, you know, my financed SHO. I got rid of my second van. I got, you know, I, I got rid of all of my credit card debt. I have no money in the bank right now. And I say, it'd be nice to have an extra couple thousand dollars in the bank so that I could, you know, maybe be a little bit more comfortable during this downturn but if I had that money in the bank, I would still have $5,000 a month that have to lay out every month. So the best thing I ever did was just sacrificing everything I had, get back to zero. And as I said, I used to wake up 
you know, the first of the month would come around and I would go, okay, I have to make $4,800 a month. And now I'm ahead of the game where now I can wake up and on the first of the month and go, well, everything I make, I get to keep. And I, you know, I did, I did go out and I, you know, bought a newer, newer car. So I did did add a car payment back into the deal, Mm -hmm. but it's, a lot easier to pay $300 a month for a car than it is $1,000 a month for two cars and the insurance and everything that goes with them. So sometimes you're right. You do have to make that sacrifice and you do make those big choices. You know, I lost the comfort of a security blanket, but I'm not having to work as hard for nothing every month to try to grow my business. And that was the biggest turning point for me is eliminating that slaved debt now i'm really able to look forward uh to to earning every dollar and keeping every dollar and choosing where i put it and you know i'll drive my fusion for a year or two like you said you have to go back and in a couple of years maybe i'll get an sho or a corvette or something and have a fun car again but you know right now it's that nose to the grindstone and do it and i'll say 365 driven groups have given me a little bit of that confidence and that thinking and that that mindset uh, you know most you know it's hard to do with your friends and people you see every day because you don't want to admit that uh, you know I've got to give up my toy to do this and this sacrifice and once you get to the point where you can sit down on your podcast with hundreds of listeners and say hey I chose to pay everything off and go broke so that I could get ahead you know that that's that's a big stepping point and uh, I'm thanking you and your group for getting me to this point and really giving me these opportunities and uh, taking advantage of uh, one of the things you've said in, in, in 365 Driven is you take advantage of this downturn. We have time, more time than any of us will ever have in our adult life to do whatever we want. Uh, and I'm taking, if I'm not editing podcasts, I'm learning about podcasts. If I'm not doing that, I'm learning about voiceover or I'm learning about social media marketing and I'm making myself better. I, I finally taught myself to use my CNC in the garage that I've owned for a year and a half, that was a couple thousand dollars, but I never took time to learn. I'm making this time work for me, either benefiting me hobby-wise or professionally. Uh, we interviewed... Tom Cotter a couple of weeks ago when he was using this time to write a book that he hasn't even signed a contract on. And I think you, you pointed out in the group that you write a hundred words a day, but you know, if this thing goes on two months, you've written a book. So yeah, again, people, thank, people, thank could have, you. people could have definitely written a book in this time. <laughs> and it's, first of all, I want to acknowledge you for being able to scale back and do that. Like you said, it's hard to feel like you're going backwards in front of your peers but that's also a self-limiting belief. It's it's actually a show of courage when you understand that I can go backwards to move ahead. You know, it's not it's like it's like chess. Sometimes the move is the backwards move. It's not always aggressive and going forward. And the thing is, is we're so worried about what other people think about us, but they're not the ones paying our bills. A lot of car guys are out there just perpetrating like they're ballers and they got all these money and they 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 got all these cars tied up in loans and they're 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 basically struggling right now because they want to look cool because they you know basically overextended themselves on a loan to go buy a little bit nicer car than they probably could afford and they're struggling right now and they don't understand why and they're and there's it's about ego it's about like oh I kind of look good I can't sell that car cuz then it'll make me look like I'm I'm losing money and I don't want it. it's like who gives a shit those people are you know if they're going to judge you like that they're not your real friends 
You're, we work so damn hard to try to impress people that we don't really even care about. And they don't really care about us because they're, they're doing the same thing. They're struggling themselves. So it's like the struggle game back and forth. So I, I had some friends that actually thought I was crazy, like just go leave the oil industry and give up multiple six figure salary and go decide to want to write books and help people start businesses and work for free for two years. Like that, that, that does sound insane to a lot of people. Like you're going to go give up your job. Like, 25 years engineering degree you're just gonna waste all that that's what they would say it's like yeah it doesn't align with my purpose anymore i'm okay taking a pay cut for a couple years to go build something i really want to do i would say most of my my wealthier friends totally have understood what i'm doing and you know i don't get looked down upon in the car club because i can't show up in a porsche anymore um, I'm still treated exactly the same way when I have time to go, because a lot of times on Saturday mornings for a period of time, I had a client I had to deal with Saturday mornings and I'd miss out on the breakfast or the lunches and things like that. But it was growing the business and they understood some of my other friends didn't quite understand that. Why can't you go? Why aren't, why aren't you there? We haven't seen you in a while. And, you know, yep. so it, I'm not here to, I guess, impress my friends, uh, but I feel I'm doing it right when the wealthier people that have made a success of their life understand what I'm doing. So there's my little personal story, guys. I'm you sorry. You traded good. You traded good <laughs> to go get great. That's, that's the key. So I tried, I tried to trade great last week, but I'm too, I'm too buried in it to trade it. Unfortunately, <laughs> 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 literally stuck in a car that I, I want to do exactly what you guys are talking about right now, but I can't get rid of my alpha to save my life. The market fell out on that car so bad. And I know that I need, I know I need to get rid of it. What is it? Uh, Julia. Yeah. Those are badass cars. It's lovely. It's wonderful. It's, but I don't need it. Yeah. I, I literally, when I bought that, I should have bought a minivan. And I went last week to try to trade it on a minivan and the figure that it was hit with was a little painful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was more than a little painful. You don't want to, you don't want to go further into debt on a bad deal. You know? I'm not going, yeah, I'm not, I mean, it's like they came back and hit me with that. And I just looked at him and went, you know what, if I'm tanked, if I have to be tanked in a car, at least it's an Alfa Romeo. That's right. <laughs> it's worse things to be stuck with. Well, Thanks for it, coming on, Tony. I, I just, say, it's, it, it really, um, like John said, I do follow along on, on the 365 Driven page and um, definitely want to join the group. Um, I, I'm definitely going to figure out how to join the group here in the next two or three weeks. Um, it, it, at th- a dollar a day. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's a dollar a day, man. Um, you know, it, it's definitely worth getting involved in a group of people who have the mindset to help you through the struggles of being an entrepreneur and figuring out how and when you need to pivot. And, you know, just all the questions that come along with growing your own thing, whatever your own thing may be. Um, You know, I'm, I'm launching a business right in the middle of this COVID stuff. John's launching a business. Derek is doing his thing with the, uh, you know, growing a side hustle as well as, maintaining what he maintains at, at his, his day job, which can't be easy right now, Derek. So more power to you, brother. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to have you on and it's cool to get your insight into what's going on out there in, in, uh, in the world. And uh, I just appreciate your time, man. Yeah. I appreciate hang, hanging out with you guys and having the conversation. It's always fun to do these things. 
Yep, I'll be doing the same thing Sean does. I'll probably have to wait for one client to send me a check to send you a check. <laughs> but, um, I, and like I said, I, I really wanted to do it the first time around, and then it slipped my mind, and I thought I was out. But uh, I might go, I'm going to go back and do that. Uh, and just to let our listeners know, Tony didn't pay us to be on the show. We don't get any affiliate money. We're doing this, and we're speaking honestly of what we've gained from his free free services. We'll probably have him back on again in a year and tell you what we gained from his pay services because um, he's just a nice guy and he's out there and he's not as intimidating and, um, you know, he, he he's there and he's in front. He's not, you don't see a lot of boosted posts from Tony like you do a lot of the other business people. He's just all organic growth and he uh, seems up and honest. Doing it correctly. So doing it correctly. Like Sean said, thank you for coming back on the show. I'm sorry we didn't talk a lot of cars. I do appreciate all the advice you gave us and our listeners. Um, I'm going to say your show's going to be positioned very well because in two days we lease a, release a show uh, where we interview Randy Popst. Uh, Monday we're going to release, or Tuesday we release a show where we re-inter, uh, interview Courtney Hansen. And you're the following show. So you're following a good group of car people uh, that should should bring, you know, hopefully some carryover listeners. We're looking, too, for, and we're looking for a boost. Is what we're, yeah. we're looking for a boost. We're, we're, so, we're definitely think we're positioned for a boost. Here. You know, we're seeing a lot of growth lately. So we appreciate you coming back. And we, we kind of targeted you into an area where you'll hopefully see a little bit of benefit from our benefits so awesome i appreciate that all collaborations are always the fun way to get these shows going and you know when we get a little crossover from each of our audiences it's great and we look forward to the day where we're successful enough to be on your show so <laughs> we yeah, do, there you go we do appreciate it and i'm going to say good night all right good night, good night guys i'm gonna go fire up the zamboni and make my bed yeah do that <laughs> later